Welcome into Crossing Broadcast, the only Philadelphia 7 for 7 podcast. You can find it here on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as always by Kevin Kincaid. You can find on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Kevin. It's like I always say, Russ, if you're not a 7 for 7 Philly sports fan, then you can find another podcast to listen to. You're, you're damn right. Damn right. And that's gonna, the bottom line. <laughs> get busy living or get busy Who said dying. that? Was it Stone Cold or The Rock? No, it's The Rock. The Come on, man. That doesn't, oh, no. It's, I'm sorry. That is Stone Cold. That's why I'm like a Stone Cold sensor. <laughs> thank you. I was going to say Here thank I, you. I'm being, I'm being condescending <laughs> to you, and I'm getting it wrong. Jeez. Come uh, on, man. I don't know. We, speaking of wrestling, we might have to do a little uh, WrestleMania recap at the end of the show. Who knows? Uh, wow. here, here's Here's our rundown for today. Uh, we've got... Of course, the uh, the Sixers with a bunch of really big games down the stretch here at the end of the regular season. We'll have to talk about those. Now, we're going to preview the uh, the Sixers Nets series. We're going to break down the Chicago game. For we're going to act like we're going to act like these last few games just never happened. <laughs> um, Boban and and Tobias Harris going out slinging some cheese steaks. Wow. The Flyers coaching search. Uh, <laughs> that's oh god, oh, I might just boy. I might just cry. Oh, um, Philly's bullpen issues. Some would mm. say uh, the Union. How about the fact? They've uh, they've won three straight. We might have to talk about it for a moment. Hottest and of course, team in town. Of course, Game of Thrones is back this week, so we've got a lot. There is there's a lot to do on this show. Um, we said it's the only seven for seven podcast, and of course, Game of Thrones is one of those sports. So is WrestleMania. We'll get to everything else. Uh, your calls. Give us a call tonight. Six one zero. All right, Kevin. Eight six seven five three zero nine. Um. Oh, what wait, we, was it? Where, eight, where we, no, it was 867 What are you trying to remember? 5309. Oh, it was a song from the 80s. It was a really oh. popular song from the 80s. Uh, Tommy Two-Tone. 8675309? Yeah, oh, yeah. okay, gotcha. I don't know what I said okay. first, but I was trying to yeah, think of it. I don't know, know what head. you were doing. I was well, Russ, listen, I, um, you know, I sure hope... Uh, well, first I will say that I'm glad that Meaningful Basketball is finally here. You know, I feel like the last two weeks, all I've been writing is, well, this shit doesn't matter. They're looking ahead. You know, we'll see if this team has it or not. We'll finally be able to judge Brett Brown. You know, but try just kicking the can down the road for the the meaningless end of season drivel. But you know, obviously, I hope the the Sixers get the job done in the first round because I said if they don't uh, win in the first round, that I would do a, a cannonball off of uh, <laughs> Race Street Pier into the Delaware River. And then for some reason, I also said that I would work a twelve hour shift at the Aramingo Avenue Wawa, and I would donate all my earnings to charity. So. Um, I've got a lot riding on this, you know, and I can't, I'm not going to be that guy who backs out of it. Like I will go to the Wawa and Aramingo. And I will make a meatball sandwich for you. If you ask for one, I will make uh, a sourdough melt. If that's what you want to eat, I will, I will do a 12 hour shift. And if they don't let me work there, then we'll, f- we'll find a way, you know, but I, as Mike Scott once said, I ain't no bitch. Well, that's so I'm going to try to follow through on that. No, I'm, re- I'm really excited for that. I'm more excited to find out what your wife's reaction is going to be, you know, when you have a child and your life is over and you're well, still trying to work that 12-hour shift. Yeah, I mean, I could weasel my way out of it with that if there's any excuse. If there's, a, money. if there's any excuse, I could say, sorry, I'm with my newborn daughter. They're not going to care. I want my meatball to... sandwich. That's Weed? true. I mean, yeah. Let's go. So why do I get the feeling that, do you want to go macro or micro? Let's go macro first with this thing. Okay. You know, I get the sense that I feel like there's a lot of, well, this is a bad matchup chatter um, for the Sixers. And I I feel like a lot of that is kind of um, 
predicated on the idea that people don't think number one, that they don't think that Embiid is a hundred percent healthy based on whatever crazy quotes we got last night where they didn't seem where Brett Brown seemed to think he was going to have his starters this weekend and Elton brand left open the possibility that Embiid might not play. So that's one thing. The other thing is that a lot of people don't like Brett Brown and they're down on him and they would like to see the team lose because they feel like that helps get rid of Brett Brown faster, you know, that justifies Brett Brown's firing if they go out to the Nets, right? And then some people, I think, are just saying, like, well, it's a bad matchup for the X's and O's side of it because Brooklyn has beaten the Sixers a couple times over the over the last two years um, and that they have really good guards and the Sixers have struggled to, to defend guards. Um, I get all of that. And I don't think any – you know, if you don't like Brett Brown and you want to see him go, it's fine too, but – I mean, when you look at this thing, when you when you when you look, you know, up and down the list, and even taking those things into consideration, I just don't see any way that the that the Sixers lose to the Nets with home court advantage in the first round. I just don't. It won't happen, but there is a chance that this goes like I don't know. Would six games surprise you? I could I, see four I, to two. I wrote in a post that uh, I guess I'll go up uh, maybe Friday. I don't know um, that. You know, I would fully expect a D'Angelo for uh, D'Angelo Russell, who, by the way, I can't spell his first name. I can spell his last name fine. Yeah, um, I had to edit I, it like three I, times. To I expect a uh, a D'Angelo Russell forty point game. I expect multiple, to be to be honest with you. Um, you expect multiple D'Angelo Russell forty point games? Yeah, I think I think there's a chance because I have this really bad feeling, especially in breaking down the numbers, that at some point. You know, he's Brett averaging Brown, like 21 points per that's game. That's totally fine. You know what guards do, Kevin? They light up the Sixers. You know why I think it's going to happen? A guy who's because never played I in don't, the playoffs before. I do not trust Brett Brown with his rotations with a guy named TJ McConnell. And I could see D'Angelo Russell feasting on the corpse of TJ McConnell. While he's down on the ground slapping the floor, D'Angelo Russell breaks his ankles once again. Like, I, I don't think this is a good matchup in terms of guard play. We know that it's not. And that's fine. Now, Here's the positive. The, the Nets front court doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. If Joel Embiid's healthy, Joel Embiid goes 435 a night. Easily. And and he I wish that were hyper- like up, it's not hyperbole. He, like, can he easily could put average up 30, 35. 30 and 13 against this team. Yeah. Yeah. And very so easily, yeah. that's where that's where this game ends up being won and lost. It would be nice if Tobias Harris would show back up. Like that would be great. If he just wants to end this funk that he's been in, like I'm a okay with that. He's welcome to come back at any point. Future Brooklyn Net Jimmy Butler is also auditioning in uh, in what will likely be his home next year. And if it's not here, it it'll probably be across the uh, across the city in New York City. So I don't I, I don't know. I I'm I'm really uh, I'm kind of torn on this. Like the Sixers are going to win. There's not a doubt in my mind that they're going to win this series. But you know you're going to shorten the bench in the playoffs. So the depth issue that has been a real issue down the stretch here shouldn't be much of of, of anything to focus on i, I don't know I, all right so listen let, let, let's do then why don't we take the exercise why don't we take what i wrote this morning for the site which is kind of like a macro level half macro half micro overview of of the of both of these teams in the series and we'll turn it into an exercise right now okay so i will ask you these questions i'll give you the categories for each of these teams here, and you tell me which team you think has the advantage, right? Yep. Let's start the clock right now. Oh, hang on, sorry, I can't. Uh, I'm trying to vamp here because I can't find out. I've like 15 tabs open up. Okay, uh, overall talent level. What do you want me to do? Say Sixers? I want you to say Sixers or Nets. Oh, yes. Who has right, Sixers. Sorry, okay. Sixers, yeah. Home court advantage. Sixers. Playoff experience. Sixers. Coaching. Mm, Sixers. Bench and depth. 
Nets. Nets, easily. Um, size. Sixers. The weight of expectations. As a burden or as a positive? Well, obviously, it benef- you'd say it benefits the Nets, right? It because they've the already because, overachieved, yes. right? So there's yes. no, so they can play loose and they can play free, you know. Um, Three-point shooting. Yep. Um, so... Nets? The Sixers are better than the Nets at three-point no shooting. No way. The Sixers rank eighth, the Nets rank 14th. What? Uh, field goal shooting. Sixers. Sixers rank eighth, the Nets rank 25th. Effective field goal percentage. Sixers. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. Um, offensive rebounding. Mm, Sixers. The Nets have the Sixers by one, actually. There's, it's really? like a .01 difference. <laughs> Yeah, which is crazy to me because I don't. I have to watch more of how they play because in the when they run pick and roll, I think they only send one offensive rebounder, which is crazy. But hmm. uh, defensive rating, Sixers should be better with Joel Embiid. It's the exact same number. Wow, um, it's one hundred eight point nine. I mean, I didn't run the numbers without you know with or without or whatever, but um, offensive rating should be the Sixers. Sixers, uh, Sixers eighth, yeah, Nets nineteenth. Okay. Uh, yeah. Net rating. With that being Sixers. Sixers uh, turnover percentage. You mean like a higher higher turnover? Who percentage? turns the ball over on more of their possessions? Should be the Sixers. The Sixers rank twenty fourth. The Nets rank twenty fifth. I was surprised to see some of those. I'm surprised by that last one because we just know, like you know, you've written how many times that the Sixers typically complete the or, or attempt the second most passes mm-hmm. in the league behind only Golden State. So I would expect them to have a higher turnover percentage. Brooklyn is giving up seventeen point three points per game off of turnovers. Um, that I think I didn't write it down here, but I think that was 24th or 25th. Um, they concede 14.4 second chance points per game. Um, both of the, both of those numbers are bottom six, uh, bottom six in the league. Um, but what what's kind of weird, what, what they do do well, um, they are pretty good in transition. They only allow like 12, uh, like 11 or 12 fast break points a game, which is like top five. So it's interesting to me to see if they're going to defend Ben in the same way that other teams have defended him, where they just try to seal him off there and, and drop their bigs back and invite Joel to shoot. You know, like you saw Milwaukee do that, um, where they had Lopez and, and Giannis kind of kind of sit back and invite that three pointer. Um, but I mean, I th- I think basically it's 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 very straightforward here. They're going to pick and roll you to death. They run something like thirty pick and rolls a game. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, I think I had it pulled up, runs like the fifth most ball handler pick and roll possessions in the league or something like that. But honestly, I, I like Dinwiddie has been better against this team than Russell. Um, I know Russell had the shitty game. The last game where they beat the brakes off of Brooklyn, they were on like the seventh game of a seven game road trip, which is ridiculous. I don't even know how that happens in the NBA. <laughs> they played like a six-game West Coast road trip, and then they came back east and they played Philly in Philly. So I don't really put too much stock in that, and, and Russell had a, cl- a clunker in that one, which brought his numbers down. But um, Dinwiddie lit him up. He, he's, he had like 24 points per game against the Sixers this year, 23.8 shots or 23.8 points on 13 shots. When you're saying when you're talking about TJ, I think, I think it's more about – I think – However, it's staggered if Dinwiddie's coming off the bench, if he's seeing more of the second unit, then Dinwiddie's probably going to be a bigger problem than Russell. No, you're probably right. Exploiting that that matchup. Well, yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying, because just by nature of the of both teams' rotations, like Russell is going to see more of, of Ben Ben and Jimmy or, or however they want to play it. Um, I do wonder if D'Angelo hunts J.J., like I know that Ben is going to yeah. end up being the guy who initially, you know, initiates that that you know meets him at at mid court. But I I don't mm-hmm. know. I wonder 
I wonder what that's going to look like. So think about this. Like the Sixers have two all-stars and a former all-star in their starting five, right? Yep. Brooklyn has, I mean, Russell is the only one, right? It was, that was his first all-star nod this year, right? Yep. Um, when you went into the playoffs last year, the Sixers had Joel Embiid with a broken face. They had four of five guys who had never played a playoff game before Embiid, uh, Simmons, Covington, Saric. JJ had like 88 games of playoff experience. Everybody else had like zero <laughs> or something like that. Wasn't that like the crazy stat? Yeah. Um, you know, and then you look at the Nets, like, you know, you know, well, Brett, his coach, 10 playoff games now, right? Four and one, four and one, yeah. Um, Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, they've played zero postseason games. Spencer Dinwiddie has played one postseason game. Also note that Karis LeVert had one of the most gruesome injuries we've ever seen. I'm, I back. can't believe like, he came back as fast back. as he did. Yeah. Like, we talk about the fact that Zaire Smith almost died, which is true. But, like, Karis LeVert's well, leg yeah. practically snapped in half and... This is remarkable. Uh, yeah, it was. And it was crazy for Zaire to come out and score 17 last night um, after everything that he's been through, you know. He is Azora uh, High, the a... prince who was promised. Or, I'm sorry, the prince or the princess who was promised. <laughs> the the uh, Azora who? Azora High. Oh, okay. I thought, um, is that how you pronounce that in the Game of Thrones lore? Yeah. I thought you were talking about the Zoro, Zoroastrian John or whatever the hell. Zoroxus? No, uh, Ahura Mazda, Ahura Mazda, or whatever the hell the the thing is. No, I'm talking about about real. I'm talking about actual religion on the planet Earth, not (laughs) Westeros. No, I'm talking about Game of Thrones. Google Zoroastrianism and the god. It sounds like the same fucking thing that you just said from Game of Thrones. Zoroastrianism. Okay, so listen. Is that the um, worship of uh, Antonio Banderas, Azoro? Who's this guy? Okay, continue. I'm, I'm reading this now. One of the world's oldest religions that remains active. It is a monotheistic faith centered yeah. in a dualistic cosmology of good and evil. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zoroastrianism. It's like two <sighs> gods or some shit. Anyway, um, okay. you know, Kenny Atkinson hasn't coached a playoff game. Um, yeah, everybody talks about the bench, but you know, remember the bench is going to be try to trim down as much as possible. So, I mean, your rotation is going to be Mike Scott, um, you know, TJ in limited doses, I guess. And then I don't, I, you know, can you play Bobon against Brooklyn? Probably not because they're going to just put him in pick and rolls every single time. Um, you play Greg Monroe. I don't know. Would you play Zaire? I think you have to see. I I'm I'm big on using this series as a way to get another another look at at somebody like him. Because it would be Ennis, obvious obviously if we if he was yeah. available, we wouldn't be talking about this. Well, yet. and that's and that's kind of something that you know I I do in this breakdown is um, when you look at the wing play on this team in terms of shooting metrics, defensive metrics, rebounding, it is so clearly in favor of James Ennis. Like this isn't just something where Brett Brown decided on a whim or on the eye test that Ennis is his best wing. He's undeniably the best shooter they have uh, of that group. The only person who who beats him in any shooting metric is uh, Furkan Korkmaz technically, um, I think, leads him in, in three-point percentage. But everything mm-hmm. else, like effective field goal percentage, everything else, it's uh, it's James Ennis. And when you look at, at his rebounding percentages on the offensive boards and on the defensive boards, he is almost doubling up every other, um, every other wing on the team that's not a starter. So... Mm-hmm. It's it's the James Ennis show. Um, with him out, I think you need to see what you have in Zaire Smith. I get that systematically he might not be in the right place every time. But remember, this is a team that at one point trusted Rashawn Holmes with minutes, and that guy never knew where to go. So yeah. you're, um, never, you're never – here's the thing. Like, Brooklyn is not a great defensive team. Like, these, no. these are going to be high-scoring games. 
So I'm not real. I wouldn't really be worried about the bench coming in and scoring points. I think they can score. I think you can get some points out of TJ or Mike Scott or whatever, right? So I know people are down on Jonathan Simmons, but he he gives you a little bit better defense. Um, Zaire looks like a pretty good defender so far. So I don't think you have to worry necessarily about the guys you're bringing off the bench scoring. I think if they can give you some defense and just try to help limit some stuff on the per- perimeter, I think you'd be fine. But, you know, again, like I said, the, the playoff rotation is trimmed. You're going to be expecting like 40-some minutes out of Ben and, yep. and Tobias and Jimmy and whatnot. So all they have to do is survive with two or three of those guys on the court at the same time, get through that like late part of the second quarter and just try to, try to um, you know, get through with their starting unit. Because everybody makes the everybody makes the argument. Everybody always says, well, the starting unit's only played 10 games. They've only played 10 games. And like 10 out of 20, that's 10 out of 24 possible games. So they only played like a little more than a third of the available games together. But in the 10 games that they played, it was 160, 161 minutes. They were 8-2 and two in those games. They were a plus 17.6. Um, so to me, you can keep saying, yeah, they were, there's not a lot of chemistry. There's not a lot of chemistry. There's not a lot of time. But the time that we have seen has been really damn good. It's been awesome. Yep, have been dominant. So you could and, be. I would be concerned if it was if if otherwise. But like I think in the small sample size you've seen, you're you're happy with it. You know. No, you're absolutely right. It it's something where like I I feel like I've been beating this drum for I don't know how many weeks months now. But anytime somebody has brought up like Milwaukee's depth or Toronto's depth mm-hmm. or Boston's depth, I mean there there is a case to be made that that those teams have exponentially better depth there's no doubt that one through 12 those teams are all better than the sixers now top end talent obviously the sixers are number one mm-hmm. but when when it comes down to it in the postseason if you're going to roll a, a team with like what eight maybe nine guys brett brown said eight and a half mm, is yeah. essentially what what he foresees using yeah i mean think about that i mean th- this isn't the difference between having nikola Mirotic and having you know greg monroe Right, like the, yeah. ultimately, what you're going to get are, like you said, forty plus minute performances out of out of Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid, and you're hoping that whoever you're going to go up against in the second round isn't going to be able to hunt JJ Redick the way that Boston did in the right, past. Right, right. If if they are able to hide JJ Redick defensively in a way that still makes the most of the rest of the team's you know offensive gifts, and you can deal with you know helping JJ defensively using some some help knowing that J- that Joel's behind him. I mean like you have to hope and and think that they're going to be able to maximize their offensive output where it's not going to matter if if JJ's hunted. You yeah, just need to have yeah. somebody who's competent to come in. And that's where I worry that I think the number one concern that I have in this first round is how much is Brett Brown going to use TJ McConnell? Because there is a, a a very huge fear that I have that we end up seeing TJ playing 25, 26, 30 minutes in a game. And and in the first round against you know Brooklyn, I don't care all that much. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But when you go on to Toronto, you simply can't have that. TJ McConnell as an like from an efficiency standpoint, sure, there's plenty to be said for that. Like this year, for example, his uh, his shooting from two point range is better. He's in the top seven percent of guards of like of qualifying point guards. Um, effective field goal percentage, he's in the eighty sixth percentile um, per cleaning the glass. I mean, he's he's an efficient player in what he does. But like when you look at him, even like as a three point shooter, he's shot what thirty six point one percent on the year free throw shooting like he's you know he's a solid 80 percent guy but like ultimately like what else does he give you and and the answer is he doesn't give you much so he's 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 a guy who like he's good he's good at steals 
I mean, like, TJ is pesky. We know that defensively, he's kind of a, a boomer bust guy. Like, he, he leads the team, I think, with a 2.2% steal rate. Um, you well, know, TJ on, played. Per, per team plays. So, like, he's good. He played. He's good um, real quick, they, when they, in the four games against Brooklyn this year, they scored 97 points, 127, 124, and 123. So they only had one clunker against them, but they were putting up a ton of points against Brooklyn. Brooklyn's not an amazing defensive team. Um, but TJ played – so in the first round last year, TJ played in all five games, but he only played 41 minutes. So five, 41 divided by five is eight, 8.2, right? Um, so he played 8.2 minutes a game in that. So the rotation was Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick. Uh, Robert Covington, Darius Saric, uh, Embiid only played the three games because he was injured, right? But then they gave Bellinelli 30.8 minutes a game. They gave Ursan Ilyasova 26.9 a game. And then Amir Johnson played 15.3. And TJ only played the 8.2. Justin Anderson, you remember he, how they brought him in for to play like Dwayne Wade and they got in that bullshit, right? <laughs> but he only played like four games. He played like five minutes a game. And Mark Markel Fultz only played like three games, like seven minutes per or something like that. So really they went like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So that was like 8.5 almost or like nine you know, but then when they got to Boston, Anderson didn't play and Fultz didn't play, right? Did Markel play against Boston? I have to pull that one up. I can't um I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm looking to see. Um yeah, it'll be on basketball reference there. So they so four one, you know. But um the other thing too is that like like you were saying with Embiid, I mean, Jared Jared Allen's a good player. I mean, he's a solid player, um, pretty good defender. He's had some highlight real blocks this year. He's a really good role man. Um I mean, but he's 20 years old. He's going into his first playoff series. Um, <laughs> you draw Joel Embiid in Philly for your first playoff you know, experience. Welcome. Welcome to the postseason. Not intimidating at all. They bring, um, you know, Ed Davis is their first big off. He's their backup center, you know. But Ed Davis is like a power forward. You know, he's really a tweener. He's really a power forward center tweener. Um, and then who do they have beyond that? When you look at rosters, are you ever you know? surprised by guys that are still in the league? Like, Ed Davis is not a guy I expected to to still see in the league no i know and he gives up like they only list him at 610 so he's given up two inches and like at least 20 pounds to Embiid, maybe 25 um that's like we were saying you know healthy joel if he can stay out of foul trouble he put up 30 32 and 14 pretty easily you know um the other thing about brooklyn is that they aren't sometimes they aren't terribly efficient um another stat that jumped out to me was that brooklyn shoots the fifth most three-pointers per game uh, but they only score the 14th mo- they only make the 14th most you know, so if you get an if Russell has an off night or something like that, or or Levert isn't hitting or whatever, I mean, you make another guy's beat you. So um, I don't know. I feel I mean, like we're almost giving Brooklyn too much credit. Like I I feel like at some point, you know, it's it's almost like doing that thing where like you overthink this to a point where, like, for for Brooklyn to have a shot in this series, everything has to go right, and there has to be a major injury to one of the Sixers' big four. It's the only way that Brooklyn can win this thing. Yeah, I think because so. like you can you can say like the Nets can come in and steal. Like I don't know if the Nets can steal one in Philly. Like I think they can definitely win one at home. I think they can extend the series. Mm-hmm. But like, does anybody really think that over a, a seven game series, if it had to go that long, that Brooklyn's really going to win four of these? Like, I could see I, I just Brooklyn. See I could see Brooklyn winning like game two, but then the Sixers go back up there and win game three. 
or they win game four or something, you know, like I, yeah. I could see it. I could, I could see this like being a four, two, you know, I think, what do you think is going to be remember the, everybody the number said, one? Everybody said the same shit about Miami last year. Cause the Sixers split two, two with Miami last year. Like, well, they're going to be a tough out. And well, then they my, beat him without Embiid. So. I think it was just because we knew that Miami was going to was going to play physically. Like I think and that we knew that, yeah. that nobody was. Yeah, they were going to junk it up, and yeah. and ultimately, like they weren't going to be intimidated by the Sixers size. Yeah. Just think, like when you see when you see this Sixers lineup, even compared to last year. Yeah. It it's just a scary, imposing force, right? Like yeah, they are yeah. a big freaking team. Well, look if Brooklyn. I mean, you're, this is what you're going to do on pick and roll. You're going to go over top of the screen. You're going to take away the three-pointer. You're going to let them shoot mid-range bullshit or Jarrett Allen floaters. And if Brooklyn wins four games on 18-footers and Jarrett Allen floaters, then so be it. <laughs> you know, But, you know, they're going to glue their guys. They're going to stay glued to the perimeter, and they're going to take away a three-point shot. They're going to try to take away shit at the rim. So, you know, if you force them into the mid-range stuff and they score a bunch of points off it, people are going to grumble and, and, you know, moan and stuff like that. But then the Sixers are going to win 125 to 119 and nobody's going to care. So you just got to trust there's, your game a- plan and plan and the play the way you did. And, and honestly, this will be the dumbest thing I say on this entire podcast, probably of every podcast we've ever done, but the Sixers are just going to try harder on defense in the playoffs. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, I mean, you have to hope like, here's the thing. Gonna try like harder. I was listening to, uh, to Zach Lowe's show this morning mm-hmm. and, uh, like at, at one point it was it was him and uh was it Botom I think were the uh the two that were on I might be over franchising his name um but like one of the things that they talked about was like does Jimmy Butler make an all defensive team it's like Jesus like I remember when when they first got him it was like oh he's a top 15 defender in the league mm-hmm. and it's like well I don't know man I mean I I know that at some point you're not going to exert yourself in meaningless games but I haven't been the most impressed by Jimmy as a defensive player. I know that mm, like yeah. here, the, the, the long held argument has been Robert Covington was a much more versatile one through four. Some would argue one through five defender. There is no doubt in my mind that that is accurate. He just fit and that the Jimmy, scheme so and, much better. Yeah, too. yeah and yeah. that Jimmy was supposed to be a better on ball defender. Now, look, I fully expect that in game one, we're going to see Jimmy Butler go and shut someone down. Like, I, I, I have to think that it's going to happen. Mm. Because if it doesn't, it would be alarming, right? Yeah. Like, you can't wait until round two against Toronto to kick it up. And I think that's ultimately the thing that, that I'm the most concerned about is can these guys flip the switch after, you know, coasting for the last week or two? And will we see this team, you know, if they do what they're supposed to do, and quite frankly, they haven't done enough this year, can they put their foot on the throat of a of an inferior club? Yeah. And if they can, this thing should be over in four or five games. Yeah, well, and then if it gets into those tight late game situations, you know, the Nets style of play is, I think, is more suited to playoff basketball than the way the Sixers play, you know. But you've seen this year, the Sixers have really, really improved in late game situations. They have a good clutch record. They have a closer in Jimmy Butler. There's different ways to win. You know, last year it was let's run elbow with J.J. Redick and you know, Joel Embiid, or let's run a 12 pick and roll with JJ Redick and Ben Simmons. That was really it. They didn't have, there's one call on the play sheet for Robert Covington and Dario Saric would just, you know, be there if they needed him, but there's more options. There's more ways to close games. You've seen Brett Brown grow up in that department this year. I would like for him to diversify his play calling at the end of games a little bit more. Um, but I think they're be- I think they are better prepared this year uh, for playoff basketball, for half-court execution basketball than they were last year, you know? Because um, remember, they were just blowing teams out of the water on that win streak. 
And there were some games in the playoffs where it was just slow down junk basketball, and they had some bad possessions here and there. They got by Miami on talent alone, and then they really were exposed to Boston. So it's a half hour talking about the Sixers, but that's uh, pretty much where I'm at. I, it's not that. Let's like, get it back to the Eagles. I don't want people to take this the wrong way. I don't. I don't want people to say like, "Well, Kincaid's like super confident, or he's cocky, or this or that." No, I mean, I, I think the Nets are a good team, and like I appreciate what they've done this year, but. Top to bottom, man, the Sixers just have so much more talent. And uh, if they lose to the Nets in the first round, then every, then of course the coaching staff would deserve to go. <laughs> there's really no, there's really no excuse. The Nets are a good team, but you should beat this team at least four to two. They should, they should. Will they? Will they? I guess remains to be seen. What do you think? That what do you think? If you had to guess, fast forward this thing like a week and a half. What is the uh, like? What's the takeaway from the series? What's the number one thing we'll be talking about? They won the series, but people maybe still aren't convinced about the defense, um, which is okay, which is okay. But again, like I like I say, I think these are going to be high scoring games. I think the Sixers are going to be okay with giving up some open mid range bullshit if they try to limit the three point line, you know, which is what they've done all year. So some people say that is like why you give them these open shots or they're getting you know stretched on pick and rolls and stuff like that, but. Um, I, I, they just got to get through this with enough confidence that they that defensively you see enough that that says okay maybe they have what it takes to beat Toronto. I don't think they do. I think they beat Brooklyn like four. I'll say four two, and then I think they lose to Toronto like four two or four three. Don't get ahead of yourself, Kincaid. That's what I've been saying for. If I've been consistent, man, I've been saying this shit from the beginning. So nobody can come on here and say, "Well, you, you know, you thought they were going to win the finals and blah 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 or whatever." You know. So I'm, I'm, you know. Just because I'm not anti-Brett Brown doesn't automatically make me pro-Brett Brown. You are allowed to be a neutral or a moderate in 2019. Not United States of America, you're not. Not Um, here. Here's Not down here in Augusta, Georgia. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You ready for this? I don't know. I need to to know if you're ready. Okay. I'm ready. I need you you to hang on to your seat. All right, I'm holding on to it. On uh, let me let me pick a date. Let me not make it arbitrary. On April twenty seventh, we're gonna sit back and say, "I can't believe the Orlando Magic just won Game seven. And how did the Sixers match up against former center Nikola Vucevic? <laughs> and will it be There's the Markel no Fultz series? There's no. Oh my God. We've got Nikola Vucevic, Ugh. Markel Fultz. It's the Markel Fultz game. Jonathan Simmons gets ready for round two, the, the revenge, revenge series. Game, yeah. You traded me for this broken punk? You think Seriously, Evan this? Fournier is going to shoot the magic past the Raptors? Look, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> the Raptors are going to get explosive diarrhea for a week and a half. Nah. There's going to be an Ebola concern, a, an outbreak, a pandemic <laughs> in Canada. And they're going to have to suit up a bunch of scrubs. You want to talk about no. depth? Here, here's what I think they should do. If Toronto's as deep as everybody says they are, including me, they should have to sit Kawhi Leonard for half the series. Keep in mind, Kawhi Leonard didn't play the second half of back-to-backs this season. Um, There are no back-to-backs in the postseason. I get that. But I think they should have to sit Kawhi for a few games. Just make it fun. Make it an enjoyable series, Toronto, you punks. And by the way, Kawhi Leonard is leaving at the end of the year, so I hope Toronto enjoys this while they have it. Um, I do look forward to the offseason when Kawhi leaves Kyle Lowry kind of says he wants out, and then Kyle shows up from a hole and decides to write a post, or tries to get me or you to write a post about how Kyle Lowry is a perfect fit with the Sixers. Hint, he is. Hint, he would have been. Hint, he he wasn't at the time. But here we go. That's what I want. I just want to watch Toronto blow up. 
Not the city. The city seems nice. I think I've been there. It's a nice, it's uh, a really nice city. There's just no left turn lanes. Toronto. Yeah. Toronto. I, yeah, I, had, I, had, I had a hell of a time turning left in Toronto, but a really nice place yeah. otherwise. It's the antithesis of, of uh, NASCAR, is what you're saying? Yeah, where it just, it's just one big left turn. Um, <sighs> right. Do you want to do, Are, we want to, um, let's do the Flyers next. What about the Flyers? All right. I'm going to ask fly- you Flyers questions. How about I ask you Flyers questions? Yes. Go ahead. Um, what was your takeaway from Chuck Fletcher's end of season, John? Chuck Fletcher's a guy. He doesn't tell you much. He's not going to tell you much. Um, I, I, I don't get much of a, of a feeling either way. I think ultimately this team is going to go. I think they're going to spend money on the wrong people. I'm worried about that. I'm genuinely, genuinely concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony and I had talked, I think it was right before, it was at the end of the, it wasn't the regular season finale. I forget which game it was, um, that he had heard that that the Flyers were really considering a pursuit of Eric Carlson, the top defenseman on the market. But the problem with Eric Carlson is How old is, is Carlson? 31? Yeah. Let me look. His problem is that he's been hampered by injuries. Now, yeah. sorry, God, he's 28. I said he's 31 because he, he's skating like he's 31. Um, Eric Carlson has had some real injury concerns. He's He's kind of become the defensive equivalent of like, like a Peter Forsberg when he played here, where it's like, I don't know if this guy is going to be able to, uh, it's like, is he playing? Isn't he playing mm. every game? And is he a, is he a great player? Yeah. In theory he is. He's had massive injury concerns. I think he's going to cost you over 8 million a season. So if that's what the flyers end up doing, like it would be a big name. It would be a, a real get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it would be the right signing. I've been really in the camp of restricted free agents that everybody says I'm crazy on. And I probably am, but I don't but know. Chuck Fletcher said something the other day where he's never. God, did he say he's never offer sheeted a guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very few GMs yeah. in the NHL have done yeah. that. Um, it's it's one thing to make an offer sheet or to extend an offer sheet to a restricted free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another for them to even accept it. So, like in NHL history, there haven't been many. Um, so. So do you I mean, think do you do you think that when. Um, trying to think what his exact uh quote was about Quenneville going to Florida he says, um yeah he, he's ahead. well he said I'm happy for him or disappointed I guess he said I'm disappointed but I'm happy for him but do we do you and Anthony surmise that there was any behind any any real behind the scenes talk that got anywhere with that or do you think that Q had in his mind that he was always going to florida or that he was never coming here or both. i don't want to speak for i don't want to speak for anthony i all i know is well that, you guys are like a tandem that's why I, well no no no. but you know i don't want he he's gotten a, a little bit huffy a couple of times that i might have put words in his mouth oh, on twitter right, so right, right. i don't you know i want to make sure i want to make sure i'm not you know spreading fake news yeah, like he did he about is, why i was late for the last game so uh, yeah. yeah so this, this is what i'll say uh way back when dave haxtall was fired and everybody lost their mind and it was put out there I think it was Steph Driver and it was Dave Isaac. Uh, I think it was in that order. Said that Haxtell was going to get fired. Oh, and and I, believe, be, yeah, yeah. I believe they both said that Q was going to get hired. Mm-hmm. But Dave Isaacs was the one that, that really got picked up. And I, I think Dave does a really good job. I think somebody mm-hmm. genuinely told Dave that that was what was going to happen and he ran with it. Obviously, it didn't happen. And I think Dave, a week and a half or so ago, put out another thing that the Flyers had extended a contract offer to Quenville in March, and he declined. Now, per Anthony and his, and his sources, um, that never happened. So, I mean, you, you still have this this real disagreement between two of the top 
people on the Flyers beat saying, yes, it did happen. No, it didn't happen. I think ultimately, Quenville cited a bunch of reasons why he ended up going to Florida. He now has the opportunity to work with the same GM that he had in Chicago. They've got a good young core of players uh, like Barkov. They, they've got guys that are legit studs. They've got a pretty solid farm system. And more importantly, they've got both Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin mm-hmm. preparing to leave from Columbus. Mm-hmm. They both share the same agent and they presumably, with the cap space, are going to make a, a heavy pursuit for both of those guys. You're looking at taking Florida and making them probably a top six team in the Eastern Conference next year without batting an eye. Mm-hmm. That's that's why Quenville went there. I don't think it had much to do with Philly. I don't think it, it meant that Dave Scott didn't offer to you know pay copious amounts of cash for him. Although, in, in fairness, some of the reports that were out, including Elliot Friedman of, I believe it's Sportsnet in Canada, had had said that the Flyers you know had met face to face with him per Anthony they never requested permission from Chicago to even sit down with him so unless it was like one of I mean look do people talk without requesting permission in other sports mm-hmm. yes of course it happens mm-hmm. H- hence legal tampering yeah. but like <laughs> yeah legal tampering you know you know like I'd, jumbo I th- shrimp uh, to my knowledge the Flyers never reached Icy out hot. to the to the Blackhawks for permission to speak with Quenville and so is it possible that they got word through and, and they were kind of working a backdoor thing with the agent mm-hmm. to get a, a feel? It's possible. Yeah, but yeah. like the people who blame the Flyers and blame Chuck Fletcher for not getting Quenville, like this doesn't work. This is the same thing with free agency. If you want to sit and scream that, you know, you should have paid him more money, offer him more money, more money, more money. It's not always about the money. And this is another one of those cases where it, look, I, I have to believe the Comcast Spectacore CEO chairman Dave Scott was willing to to pay more than what Florida ended up paying Quenville. I wouldn't be surprised if he offered seven and a half, eight million dollars a year for Quenville. But ultimately, if, if that's not where the guy wanted to go, it's not where he wanted Here's to go. Here's my thing with, with Chuck Fletcher. I look at him as like a hockey outsider, as like a guy who's not super in tune with the Flyers. And um, my perspective from, from that perspective is that he doesn't like Chuck Fletcher doesn't move the needle for me like one way or another. Like I don't hear anything from him that makes me feel super confident. I don't hear anything from him that makes me feel super negative. Um, you know, I look at like his list of like moves he made in Minnesota. And I'm just like, oh, that's a good move. And then, oh, that's not such a good move. Like he just seems like he just strikes me as like the ultimate like middle of the road kind of whatever general manager. Like I, I don't I don't see in him like next level for the flyers. I don't know if that's fair or not, but I just well, like for some He doesn't come off as as a like transcendent guy. He doesn't know. come off as like a real a real, you know, mover and shaker. He just seems like a he guy. He doesn't come off as like me, a, yeah. an overly progressive guy. He's not overly conservative. Yeah. I think it's it's a pretty fair assessment. He's very close to the chest, and I don't think that we're going to get much out of him. Like I I, yeah. I very much expect this to just be something like, oh, the Flyers made a signing and then we're at the press conference. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, yeah. the, you know, it's not, I don't think it's as tight of a ship as when Hextall ran it, where like pretty much nothing was getting right, out. Right. Um, but I, I think ultimately, like, I think Fletcher is going to be pragmatic. I think he's going to be, like, I think he's going to do a good job. I mean, the teams that he built in Minnesota, they were good teams. They, were. they weren't awful. Yeah. He, yeah. he, you know, I think it was more of an, an ownership force thing, but. You know, you have to remember he went and got the top two free agents on the market years ago yeah. in uh, in Ryan Suter and um, and Zach, Zach Parise. Yeah. So, again, I think that was ownership driven, but ultimately he was the guy who who sealed the deal on both of those players in that offseason. Well, it, and so, if anything, too, like boring. Well, not boring. I don't think boring is the right word, but just stable and pragmatic might be a good thing for the Flyers. You know, 
just make smart moves. Don't get too crazy. You know, don't hand out shitty contracts to people who don't deserve them. I, I'm not saying Ron Hextall was like that, but you know, the history of, I mean, of working. They always knew Laterra. I mean, those weren't great. Well, I, true, great true. Times. I mean, like if Dale's you're nice telling guy. me like Yuri, they're not going to got arrested. <laughs> you're going to tell me like, you know, the op- if you're not going to do make any explosive, groundbreaking, amazing moves, then if the other half of that means that you're going to at least keep it relatively stable, I, you know, I would be okay with that. You know, I know, I know Stability ice hockey. Yeah, team. I know ice hockey is ice hockey, hockey. Excuse me, hockey. I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I know that hockey is not like a th- you know your superstar, quote unquote superstars are out there for 25 minutes a game or whatever. So it's not. You know, it's not like seeing Steph Curry play 40 minutes a night or whatever, but I think my problem with the Flyers is that I look at all the the talent and the drawing power that's on the other teams in town right now, and I sit here thinking to myself, like, who is the last Flyers player? This is for, like, neutrals, for people like me who look at it from the outside. Like, the exercise I ask people, I'm like, who is the last Flyers player that you said to yourself, man, I can't wait to turn on the Flyers game tonight to watch that guy play? And I, young I get Well, I get answers like Eric Lindros. Yeah, you know, who hasn't cool. been with the franchise since 19, whatever the fuck, 90, 97, 97 you yeah. know? So, um, which just made it's me think good. of the Craig it's... Carton thing, actually, the Lind- when I just mentioned Lindros. How about him going to jail and the judge saying, first time, long time? <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> That's so fucking savage, man. Is there not like a lawsuit, like waiting, or like an, an angle for an appeal based on that? Like, know, could maybe. you say the yeah. judge is biased or some shit? I don't know. I don't know. Get a good uh, lawyer, man. Get, um, Jesse Smollett's lawyer on that. Get Bob Craft's lawyer, on that, you know. Um, you but yeah, I don't know. That's my thing no, with the but, Flyers. Like, I just I, I sit here thinking, like, man, I you know, I think Claude Giroux's a great player. I think Jake Voracek's a good player. You know, they've they've got some really you know, Coots is a good player. They do have good players on this team. Coots is their best. player. I just don't like Coots mm-hmm. is absolutely their best. Player. But like, here's the he thing: he won the uh, he won the Bobby Clark Award for the the team's MVP. But like, who the fuck? That what average Philadelphia sports fan? I'm not talking Flyers fan. What what average seven for seven? Philadelphia sports fan is saying to themselves, "Man, I can't wait to watch Coots play tonight." They're not. They're, they're not. But you say, "Oh, I can't wait! What? Can't wait to watch Joel Embiid. I can't wait to watch Carson Wentz. I can't wait to watch Bryce Harper." You know, and I think it's not. This is not necessarily a Flyers thing. It's more of a ice hockey thing in general. It's a flashy. Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, where it's just like if it's if it's hard. Me, like, it's hard to establish and market those those guys, even if you tried your damnedest. You know. Yeah, it's like Chunk Couturier is a great two-way forward who put up over 30 goals again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you try to explain that to somebody and, and you watch him play and then you go, okay, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, he's he's very good. He's interesting mm-hmm. to watch. But, like, a young Claude Giroux, like, that was another level. Yeah. Uh, Jake Voracek early in his career yeah. uh, with the Flyers, super dynamic. And um, even, like, even there, guys there like more, Mike there, Richards there made players. some crazy-ass, like, hustle <sighs> plays and shit like that that I think, like, the average non-hockey fan i think the casual fan was able to attach themselves to some of that stuff i'm not saying he was a better player but like when he goes when he had that fucking play however many years ago where he like goes one on two and like crashes into the goaltender whatever the hell game that was i can't remember that yeah you know some of the uh that one shorthanded goal that i keep thinking of i mean it's stuff like that that i just think it's hard for it, I think that's hard, hard for the casual and, fan to attach themselves to hockey because it's it's just not built the same way for for well, think about what the flashiest power, plays yeah. are in, in hockey. It's it's the big hit, mm-hmm. which they've effectively taken out of mm-hmm. the game. And it's like maybe a flashy goal, like some kind of like like deking the, Skill the check. goalie one-on-one, yeah, yeah, sure. right? And and it's not, you know, with a home run, you've got distance, mm-hmm. right? 
and you got you know highlight defensive plays with football same idea touchdowns with, big tackles, you know with yeah. with the nba i mean dunks highlight plays yeah. highlight plays fall from the sky mm-hmm. right like it, it could be a steph curry 40, 40 foot shot that he somehow swishes or it could be you know a vince carter 360 windmill and you're yeah. and you're you're just enamored for a decade but the i think you know when i think of who were the most dynamic flyers players that that like came to mind and like the big names like peter forsberg when he came forsberg here, yeah was was ginormous yeah. for the yeah, team yeah. and and that's why like ultimately I think they need to do something to get some headlines back. And when we had um, Flyers president Paul Holmgren on Snow the Goalie last week, uh, the video is now live on uh, YouTube for those who want to go mm-hmm. watch it. Um, the the thing that I asked him, I think it was the last question I asked him, was is there the f- a feeling that you need to keep up with the other teams in town? Because the Phillies got Bryce Harper, now they're, they're back in title contention. Yeah, yeah. The Sixers are a title contender. The Eagles won a Super Bowl. That kind of leaves, and unfortunately, I forgot to mention the union to him, um, and the fusion, <sighs> yeah. and the soul. Oh. But uh, I know seven for seven mm-hmm. podcast. Excuse but like, yeah. I that was one of the things I said because if you remember, like mid mid two thousands, like that was the thing, right? It always felt like there was the battle for the back page of the daily news when that mattered, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And and there was it was just like man, big signing. All right, the other team's gonna make a big trade. There was it, it always just felt like they, they were, were competitive. Posturing. They were jockeying for yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And Holmgren's quote back to me was, "We don't want to be kings of the city. We want to be kings of the league." And it's like I get that. I get what he's saying. Well, they go hand. One um, thing leads to the to another. You know, yeah. one thing is a means, a means to an be, end. You know, it's a, you can't be the kings of the league because they already have the kings in the league. They play in Los Angeles. So I, I but, anyway. but I think the thing is, like in 2010 when they went on that crazy run, you know, I was standing on South Broad Street, you know, f- during the finals, and everybody was rocking and rolling watching those games. You know, I, but I think the thing is, was that the only other good team in town back then was the Phillies, because the Eagles were whatever. The Sixers yeah, or whatever. Phillies were still in their run. The Union didn't even exist back then, nor did, would anybody have cared. But like, and the colleges were whatever, you know. So I think yeah. it's I think it's harder for I, I think if you say the Flyers are good, the Phillies are good, the Sixers are good, and the Eagles are good. I think if all teams the are Flyers good are at the same time, the Flyers are fourth. So it's, it's easier for them to stand out, you know, when the other teams aren't good. So they also have that working against them too at the same time. But I just I just don't. I think my thing as a casual is just I'm like looking for something to I'm looking for that like exciting like like Bryce Harper equivalent which I don't even know if that exists in ice hockey it does. to pull to pull me in like if they sign fucking Ovechkin or like Panarin wants to come <laughs> here or something like I, I don't I don't know I need I like I feel like there hasn't been a big I don't know. I'm I'm waiting for a Flyers blockbuster or something like that. I'm I'm resigning myself to the fact that like, well, they, they don't need to do that to be a good team. But if you're talking in terms of PR and getting the fans back on board, then maybe there there are two players, really one of of massive note that would be that Bryce Harper level. His name's Mitch Marner. He plays for the Toronto Maple mm-hmm. Leafs, and the the Flyers mm-hmm. would have mm-hmm. to offer him. They'd have to offer Sheetham, and they they would have to probably give an annual value of 14, 15 million dollars, yeah. which is absurd. Well, who are the and, and so, you're not going to do. So who are the other big but, free agents that are well, out there then? Well, so here's the thing. So he's a, he's an RFA. Okay. If if Stone Toronto signed already, right? If yeah, Strom. out if, there. If uh if yes, if if Marner were to accept that offer sheet from the Flyers and Toronto somehow couldn't match, it would cost the Flyers four first round picks, yeah. which you wouldn't care about because they'd be late at that point. Like who who really mm-hmm. cares, mm-hmm. right? Um 
But like Martyr and Point, Braden Point from Tampa Bay, like those are your t- probably your top two RFAs. Mm-hmm. On the UFA side, you've got Artemi Panarin, who I don't think is going to even give the the Flyers no, the time no. of day. There, there's nobody right now, honestly. Like I said, Eric Carlson, the defenseman, like he's not a Bryce Harper. Like he's he's a he's a very good player. If he didn't have the injury concerns, yeah. he would be a massive coup for this team. Yeah. I I just I don't think it's there, and I don't I quite frankly don't know what the trade market looks like. I do Wayne think Wayne Simmons and, is out you know, there. Oh, great. Great. Yeah, he's how yeah, old is sure. Joe Pavelski at this point? He's old. too old. He's like thirty. Do you watch? Do you watch him? Uh, <laughs> him use his jaw to score a goal? That's pretty amazing. <laughs> I did see that. That was kind of crazy. Big Joe, man. Come wow, on. did we just talk ice hockey for like twenty minutes? Yeah. Well, we weren't talking field hockey or oh, roller hockey. Yeah. So, uh, right, let's let's move hockey. on. That was that was a that, whoa. You hey want to make your Phillies bullpen? Um, what do you want to say about the Phillies bullpen here? What do I want to say um, about it? I don't want to say much about yeah. it. Their their bullpen's awful. I listened to Crossed Up. The uh, I'm I'm still trying to confirm it's the only Phillies podcast. I have not found <laughs> another one yet. But uh, Crossed Up with uh, with Bob and Anthony, I, I listened to them try to give a rational explanation for why the Phillies shouldn't go after Craig mm-hmm. Kimbrell, and I think they're both morons. I know that they're smart. Mm-hmm. I know they know more about ba- they've forgotten more about baseball than <laughs> I'll ever know. But I do think it's important to point out that when you have a closer who's as established as Craig Kimbrell is. And he's probably going to cost you, I don't know, $18 million for a year. And it's not my money. It's not your money. It's John Middleton's mm-hmm. money. By all means, please go out and sign him. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I saw people recently saying, oh, well, you know, they're, they're $17 million away from the luxury tax. And you don't want to go there. Why the hell not? It's John Middleton's money. If he decides that he wants to pay the luxury tax to go for a World Series this year, then he should do it. And he'll do it. And that, I think, ultimately is the thing where I find this massive disconnect between, like, logic and emotion. It's not our money. If well, yeah, yeah. that, like that, that that's the thing that like keeps driving me on this. Bullpens are very temperamental. We could see Edaberry Ramos blow up. We can watch Hector Neris blow up. Uh, we could watch Sir Anthony Dominguez, you know, be a, a disappointment. We could watch David Robertson practically, you know, kill any hope he ever had of being the closer on this team for a few weeks, and then by June it could just ride itself because baseball is a weird sport. It always yeah, has yeah, been. Yeah. It always I mean, they've be. only at least they've got you know 140 whatever games left to to write the ship. But and and that's you the see thing. him like, regress to get... the same shit that you saw last year, like 10 games in. You're like, eh, you know. And that's I think the the thing that like it's hard to get yourself in an overly emotional state over baseball because there are so many games. There are too many games, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And if you're gonna live and die with every game, like it's an Eagles game where there's only 16. I don't know what to tell you, but you're going to be pretty miserable and you're probably going to have to go on high blood pressure meds at some point. Like it's, it's just not worth it. Now we can, we can sit and dissect like the moves that Gabe Kapler's done. Uh, the only one that I've disagreed with so far is I like, I want to see what Scott Kingery is. And I've, I've seen enough over yeah, the last Cesar few years to know Hernandez. what Cesar yeah, Hernandez yeah. is. He's a good player. And I think Cesar Hernandez should be the utility guy on this team. Mm-hmm. I think I said it last mm-hmm. year. I wanted them to give Scott Kingery a starting position on this team when games didn't matter last year. Get him legitimate at-bats. Don't make him worry about his defensive positioning. Just, like, let him focus on being a hitter. And I, I want to see them do it. Like, I, if Cesar isn't going to turn it around these next couple of weeks, then I think it should be Kingery's job because, ultimately, he's the guy that you're committed to long-term. Cesar Hernandez is a, a lovely player, but to me, he's not somebody that, like, you need to give these at-bats to. You can get Scott Kingery in there in low-leverage situations where not much is expected out of the seven hole hitter, especially with Michael Franco raking in the six hole. Like I, I just don't. So see I have it. a question for you, and then I'll let you do your WrestleMania uh, recap here. 
Oh, and then we'll sure. take some questions and wrap it up, I guess. Um, did you were you excited about the black hole picture that made it on? Yes, Twitter? you were excited about that. Of course, I was. Of course, I was. We're talking about potentially another bit of of information that can prove Einstein's theory of relativity. I mean, like by, by virtue of there being um, uh, the the what am I trying to say? Part of the image. Everybody has to have seen the image by now. Part of the image where light does not escape. Really it, it's essentially confirming. Well, it's essentially confirming part of what Einstein said that there is going to be a part of the black hole that light simply cannot escape from. So you're going to see the light and the energy field around, you know, give or take three quarters uh, of the black hole. It, it's fascinating. It's amazing to think that nine different telescopes, you know, had to unite on this one, like had to converge on this one point to create a virtual telescope that that would be practically the size of the entire planet earth to shoot that what is it 52 million light years away that's incredible well, yeah Kevin. maybe someday maybe someday i'll get out there just to take a look at it maybe you will when we die where do we go where does our soul go Perhaps you want to know what i think about hole. the black hole picture oh go ahead or a killjoy. I dude, look, I get it. I'm all I'm very excited for any breakthrough that we as the human race make. And the best part, obviously, and the most practical part is that if we can take some of the technology that got us that picture or some of the things we learn from it, like whatever gibberish you just fucking said, and we can apply that to everyday life or use it to better our life uh, in, in more common ways. I think that's the biggest takeaway. But, you know, I'm sitting here like thinking about more earthly matters. You know what I mean? We haven't even been to the bottom of the ocean on this here, John. You know what I mean? Who needs to go there? You only have to go as low can't as an get, fish. I don't can't even see get up the, the Schuylkill Expressway in less than an hour. You know, why don't we figure that out? Why don't we point nine telescopes at the fucking Maniunk exchange and figure out how to speed that up? You know, why don't we, you know, we got like, you know, what's it? Swarthmore where the blue route goes back down to two lanes. That's yeah. Awesome. Something like that. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's like, I'm happy that we're figuring out all this stuff, but I'm like, don't we have like some shit to worry about on, uh, this, this here planet here. Anyway. Um, that's my old man. So much, my old man yells that was, at cloud. That was so much more tame than what you said in Slack. Like, I, know, I was ready for I'm you to tired, like legit man. light this I know. thing I up. I said in Slack, I was like, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck about the black hole. I think is what I said. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were really upset before. I was sitting at the dentist, and I'm, I'm like, like, I'm, I'm like, like, this dude's really like, upset. We got a, we got a, like a, a heroin encampment like half a mile up the road from me. They don't know what the fuck to do with those people. Do we do safe injection site? Do we do this? You know, we're taxing soda in the city of Philadelphia because we don't have enough money for pre-K, so we're gonna tax these people, and we're gonna put you know grocery stores you know in the in trouble monetarily because of it. Like I don't know. Like why the fuck are we fucking around? with a black hole a bazillion jillion miles away when there's like more important things to do. I get it. It's not the same, you know, the people who fund that might not be the people who are involved with funding pre-K in Philadelphia, but you know what I'm saying? Like our priorities as a, as a, as homo sapiens, you know, where, what are they right now? Are they the ring of light around the black hole in the whatever galaxy or are they things in this actual galaxy, the Milky way galaxy? All I'm going to say, man, is if we can believe this image and Einstein was right and now the theory of relativity, relativity in our lifetime becomes the law of relativity, mm -hmm. that would be pretty so cool. So how does like that and how does that affect your everyday life? 
It doesn't affect me. It affects all the people who are smart enough to understand Okay, well, it. if they take that theory and they have, turn it into something a, tangible that helps humanity in another way, then cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to be like dumb. I'm better, not trying to be like all anti If we have like a better understanding of the macro, we might be able to help fix the micro. Well, there you go. So let's try to take that and uh, find a way to fix the potholes in Philadelphia. How about that? Um, yeah, I mean, but look, you, you also have to remember, <laughs> it's, 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 it's really important, Kevin. <laughs> All right. In five billion oh, years, still going on. in the, in five billion years, our sun is going to turn into a red supergiant. Yeah, well, and when that happens, Kevin, we're all and screwed. the flyers might because have a it's going Cup, to uh, because, no, no, they won't, will they? Oh, um, now listen, so I'm not sad. like some anti-science like weirdo or anything like that. I just like I I I see other things in my uh, in the immediacy. You know, I see uh, other things that are a little more pertinent but that's okay speaking of pertinence uh game mm. of thrones man uh three days mm. away we have a special uh story that multiple people on the site worked on it's not that good i mean it's not like some big like <laughs> amazing set, set the bar high my friend set it real it's okay. high i mean some people will get it some people won't but uh we're gonna do uh if philadelphia sports figures were game of thrones characters and i'll give you one right now exclusively for crossing okay. broadcast listeners um we have uh, El Wingador of Wingbowl fame as the Hound, uh, Sandor Clegane, because both characters will eat every fucking chicken in here. <laughs> I've read the whole thing, and all. And Is it all like, right? I mean, did it turn I've, out okay? I've I've read all of them. I I, I feel like I spent it. too yeah. much time working on it, and I was just saying. Like, oh. Well, I mean, I I told you originally that some of your picks were dumb. And then you got really upset at me. So <laughs> did I? I uh, <laughs> like yeah. which like uh, you got? Uh, I don't remember. Like remember, I kept I kept saying like, "Yo, dude, I think you should change this one to this and this." You're like, "Just go with what I've written, okay?" <laughs> well, just I was stick, like soliciting. Just stick. I to was the asking script. people for like help and ideas, and then it just the just Slack chat just turned into like a flood of like paragraphs. I was like, "All right, why the fuck did I even ask for? How do I like parse any of this?" You know. But we got some good stuff out of it. So look for that, John. Tomorrow, are you excited for game? Is this the Red Wedding music? No. No. Nope. Let, let me listen a little bit more. Oh, is this when she blows up the sept? <sighs> is this the, the, is the, is this the Lannister song or whatever the hell it's called? Oh, yeah. that's different. Although there are some undertones of the Reigns of Castamere. Oh, the Reigns of Which is of the Red Wedding. Yeah, well. Yeah, the Reigns of Castamere is the Lannister yeah. song. I gotta be honest with you, man. I don't like. I'm not as excited as I thought I would be for Game of Thrones. Yeah, I was listening to that on a. It's always soccer in yeah. Philadelphia, the only Philadelphia Union podcast. Mm-hmm. It was weird. It like I, I was I was a little bit disappointed. You're disappointed in you. I'm gonna let me. this play in the background. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, I don't I, think I, I like was because you you said that it, it it's like lost its uh its juice. I think like some of the hype train might have because of the the extra year. In well, between, I just think naturally like, it's hard. Like it's it's been forever since you've since we've had a new episode. So I think. Yeah, naturally, it just loses some of its steam, you know, because um, of that. But but also, like, I just feel like, you know, it's such a slow build up, slow build up, slow build up. And then, like, they once they got past the book material, they just shoved everything into, like, a big, like, uh, sandwich and gave it to us in one season, you know? And yeah, that and was some part of the, the problem. Part of the problem, too, is I think that some of the storylines, by the way, if you've never seen Game of Thrones and you're trying to binge it in the next 72 hours, like, there's spoilers <laughs> coming up here, so. 
we are three, are three two, one, turn off your podcast. Um, but I, I think like some of the storylines too, some of the story arcs, they got to the point where they became, they became a little circular and, uh, you know, you have like diminishing returns. I think like, like for example, how many horrendous fucking things can Ramsey Bolton do before you're just like, okay, we get it. You know what I mean? Like how many people yeah. can he heinously murder before like you have diminishing returns on the value of those kinds of scenes. You know what I mean? So yeah. stuff like that. Well, we mm. start. we did our, we did our full, uh, our binge from season one all the way up through season seven. Like the whole, like every we, episode. Yeah. We started, I think in, I think it was beginning of March. Oh, dang, and yeah. so we had to plan around like the flyers games and everything, but, um, we finished it last week or, or the, yeah, I think it was last week. And, uh, it was a good feeling, man, when you get to season seven, but like there is definitely a massive tonal shift, uh, when George R.R. R. Martin was less involved yeah, in the show. And yeah. that, that ultimately is a bit of a bummer, but I, I do hold this hope that at some point, maybe when we're like 70, if we're still here. By the time um, we reach the black hole that, in our space yeah, travels. That, uh, <laughs> that the black hole. Like and the flyers are in the, where's the flyers, Kevin King the flyers are in the finals and I'm halfway across the galaxy, cryogenically go. frozen on my way to the, the black hole. I just hope that at some point somebody remakes it. And like and like remakes it according to the books. Like I think that would just be cool to see. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it would be nice. I don't know. I just think it'd be all right, gay. let's. Uh, you want to um, do the questions here? So who, yeah, I'm just. I'm. I'm really excited for Thrones. I mean, I, I guess I'll get more excited as learned... Sunday. Sunday comes. I just. Um. I. I'm still very interested. I just feel like I don't have as much juice for it as as I used to. I think Craig, our video guy, is like He's the uh, the sleeper Thrones, cell. Yeah. He is like the sleeper cell for Thrones. Cogan was we were a like going back and forth. Too, yeah. yeah, man. I mean, I tried to throw in a book character, and you got upset. So I just what's it, which book character was it? Patchface. I don't know who the fuck that is. Yeah, uh, Patchface. Patchface like is. I can't is read like, a book. Essentially, yeah. they think he might be he might be a prophet of the drowned god. They don't really <laughs> do the, the drowned god all that much. And yeah. Anyway, <laughs> oh, I'm excited for people to read what I said about Euron Greyjoy and Chip Kelly. That I think that was Where some of my better work. Where the fuck is this podcast going? This is my fault for taking it into know. the black hole. In the, it, it, it is living in the black hole. It's all right your now, fault. Yeah. All right, let's see. You want to do questions? I want to do WrestleMania recap. Come on, man. Wait, didn't you pick? We picked the matches, didn't we? I think yeah, we did. did I get any you said right? Kofi was going to yeah. win. Kofi Kingston okay. won. I, th- I don't remember. I think you said Brock Lesnar was going to win. Seth Rollins won. Uh, no, and, I said um, Seth Becky Rollins. Lynch. Seth Rollins, yeah. Did you? And, I and you said, Brock you know, Lesnar. you saw and you saw you saw Becky mm-hmm. Lynch uh, on Twitter. So you picked her. Wow, and Kevin, three for three. All three. All three faces went wow. through. Why so, didn't I? I should enjoy that. On that. Yeah. You should a have three wrestler, I, a three wrestler parlay. Although the uh, the biggest news of the night was the return of the Doctor of Thugonomics, John Cena coming oh. out and interrupting Elias. So, word John life. Cena. Last time I saw John Cena was on the Total Divas show when my wife was watching it. Um, I'm really sorry she makes you watch he, that crap. Oh, she doesn't. I just like it's it's. Notice someone... that I say that crap, but I'm talking about pro wrestling. <laughs> no, I mean she. I'm, like, like, really I don't sit here. down and like watch it with her. Like I'm making dinner or I'm downstairs and she's watching it, and so I hear it and I like will take notice of it every so often. But like, he was married to what happened? He was married to one of the Bella twins, and then they got divorced or something. Is that what I is that what I picked up? Yeah, uh, I don't think they ever got married. I think they were engaged. Uh, well, that's and, a shame because uh, both it, of them it are, didn't uh, it didn't work yeah. out. I don't want to sound like a you know a misogynist here or whatever, but they're both very attractive women. So, yeah. Well, that's. That wouldn't make you a misogynist. It would just make you like a objectifier. So, you think you're untouchable? Word life. Thugonomics. All right. What's that? Is that John Cena's entrance music? 
That was his. That was his old like back when he was a whippersnapper. Thugonomics, really. Thugonomics. All right. So, what's your re- uh, your WrestleMania recap? That was, that was your WrestleMania. I just recap? wanted. I just want to let you know that you that you won. Uh, you won. Oh, some okay. Of them. Cool. Yeah. That was it. It was a really long show. It was five and a half hours. Plus the pre-show. That was another two. It was a seven and a half hour thing. Imagine having to go to Godforsaken, New Jersey. Uh, well, it means New York, mm-hmm. New Jersey, whatever, wherever MetLife is. It's not New York. Is that East Rutherford? Uh, yes. But like spending seven and a half hours outside watching that, like no thanks. Yeah. I, I liked my couch. My couch was fine. Russ, I have something to tell you about how I feel about the black hole. Okay. You really think I give a flying fuck what the people on the radio calls say? <laughs> All right, let's get to your questions now. Um, Andrew Loader says, sure, does 7 for 7 include the soul? Is of course soul? it does. They're, uh, they're, they're getting ready to start their season. I believe it's yeah. April 22nd. They're playing, perhaps? they'll be ready to play against the five other teams in their league. Let me just, I'm, I'm double checking. Here, here's how bad it is for the soul right now. If you Google Philadelphia soul schedule, you know how usually Google will like generate the schedule for you mm. for like a regular yeah, team. Yeah. It doesn't even do that. Oh. It, it actually gives you the, it says, are you sure you're asking about arena football? You loser. Good God, Google. Stop being so judgmental. Um, Kyle O'Brien says was the title of the article today. If you're scared of the Brooklyn Nets, get a dog in honor of national pet day. Uh, oh, I didn't even know that it was today. National pet day. I think for some people it's National Pet oh, Day. Well, I'd like to, uh, allow me to shout out my dog Baxter then on National Pet Day. Um, I gave him a treat earlier today, so I, you know, I didn't even know it was National Pet Day, but he was a he was a good boy anyway. So I'm proud of you for not being a speciesist. Who's a good boy? Um, a species, a speciesist. Got, oh, Chris. <laughs> yeah, remember Peta? Peta said that. Don't feed two birds with one, or don't kill two birds with one stone. Feed two birds with one right. scone. But the funniest thing about that was that birds can't digest bread. So, like, what the fuck are they trying oh, to say? No. Like? So you're killing oh, yeah, the yeah. birds. You can't like people like you know how like old is Peta really a terrorist organization? You know how old pe- not old people how senior citizens like will you know rip up little pieces of bread and they'll throw them out in the yard or in Fishtown they'll throw them in the middle of the street for the birds to come and eat. Well, that's bad for them because they're not, birds aren't. All I'm thinking about is that couple that snatched the pigeons. <laughs> Remember that video a couple <laughs> months ago? They come from with the, with birds, the birds are supposed to eat what birds naturally, you can't give them like some baked bullshit. So don't do that, everybody. Well, that's my public service announcement on National Pet Day. Um, p- from a, Here's one from Chris Yezhdorskensky. <laughs> Who says, where do I get my Philadelphia Freedoms mix? Give me an eight for eight podcast. Not on here, Jastremsbiski. You have to go somewhere else for that. Like Poland. Paul, or Syracuse. <laughs> Paul Campbell says, why do... <laughs> or Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Campbell says, why do I get God... Bl- Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> why do I get God bless America and gritty jam down my throat, but no playoffs, no cup? And increased ticket prices. What did you make of the Flyers' increased ticket prices? I don't want to get is this started to, on Is it. this it's to upsetting. pay for the upgrades to the arena, or is that not? That's just an A side. They say it has nothing okay. to do with that. I'm, but you're I'm not, not. You're skeptical I'm not sold of that. On that. Okay. Of course, I am. Like, like they're a corporation. They're going to spend out. Like they're going to spend millions of dollars getting an awful mm-hmm. building. And granted, everything they've done so far, I think, mm-hmm. looks great. The Mez looks awesome. Like I, the I think that once. Yeah, Andre Mazzaro. Like I think, yeah, yeah sure. Ooh, look at you with your Flyers knowledge. Um, 
I think ultimately, like, it, it's going to be worth it. I mean, I think it, the the renovations they've done have been good. I think the sound system is great. I think the new scoreboard they're going to put in is going to mm-hmm. be fantastic. Anthony thinks that it's going to be distracting. Mm-hmm. I think Anthony has old man uh, syndrome you sometimes. You little whippersnappers. Wow, what they're t- everybody's going to watch it on the screen. They're not even going to watch the ice. Well, you know what? If the product's not that great, I don't know if they're going to watch you know, it we all. Haven't, um, we haven't gotten an impersonation out of you this whole podcast. I knew something was lacking. What did you... The beginning of the, beginning of the episode. Do? I don't know. There was something. Uh, can we get a Bernie Sanders before Oh, I did I did Morgan Freeman oh. at the beginning. I said, get, live, oh. <clears throat> get busy living or get busy dying. The Shawshank Redemption. Great movie. Um, Brooks was Chris, here. He is not here Chris Nafee says, if the, pro, uh, proverbi- if, the proverbial, if the proverbial gun was to your head, the next ho- head coach of the Flyers is... Can I avoid that question? I'm gonna say I'm gonna, I don't know. I'm gonna take a wild guess and I'll say it's some fucking retread. Although yeah, Q, well, Q, Q is technically Q is gone. technically a retread, is he not? He theoretically is. Quenville's off the market. McClellan's off the market. Boudreaux's not gonna hit the market. Um, I think Anthony had written a piece about Tippett being a potential candidate. What about the dude who used to coach I, I, in Minnesota under Fletcher before Boudreaux? That was that was Boudreaux. Boudreaux no, was not the guy, uh, Mike, uh, Mike, uh, Yo. Mike Yo. I don't think so. No, Has he so. been in the league um, since he got fired from Minnesota? No. I think so. Here's, here's the thing. I won't be surprised if Scott Gordon's back next year. It's not because that's going to be what Dave Scott and Comcast want. I just don't know... I don't know. So how does that I think if Dave the... Scott if Dave Scott wanted a big name, it's not going to happen. Like so I just does don't Scott see Scott Gordon move the needle for the average Flyers fan. No, but the players like him and it's not like that's the only thing that matters, but I think if he gets an, a full off season to implement his system, like maybe you'll start to see, you know, a lot of the positive things that he was able to install in his limited practice time in taking over this mm. team like maybe with a full off season it'll work yeah. i don't know i like scott gordon i think he's a he's a Listen, good guy that's another like um, i was saying that's another like it's not a flashy move but it's not a like let's give a bunch of money to you know yuri latera type of move you know here's, here's what i'll say scott gordon to me is the 21st century coach the when we when we did the interview with him a lot of what he said resonated with me and working with with people in the general age demographic uh, that his younger players in the AHL millennials, were, uh, I think I think he uh, he very he really knows how to connect mm-hmm. with those guys. So that is yeah. what I will All say. Right, we got a uh, uh, Matty G uh, says uh, serious question: Is Brett's job on the line if they don't get to the conference finals? Elton made it sound like that's yes. the case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, if so, he said the conference final. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. If they lose, if they lose to Toronto in the second round. Does Brett they lose his asked, job? Uh, Newbeck, so. Kyle Newbeck asked uh, Elton that straight up, actually. Um, it, well, I mean, he said, like, does it is it like a hard line second round, or do you look at, like, how that series played out? Like, if they go to seven with Toronto and they play really well, but Toronto shoots, like, hits, like, 15 fadeaway 15-footers in a row or something, like something totally improbable where you just, like, tip your hat to the other team, uh, then, sure, I think you would take that into account. I mean... Uh, that won't please the Brett Brown haters, and they'll just carry us into the same shit uh, for next year, you know. But um, I mean, I would I, I, it, that that would be situational to me. If they go down like four to one to Toronto, I'd just say, you know, it's. I think you got to do something, but um, 
I don't know. Again, there's a lot of stuff to fall back on. I don't think, even though they got to that point last year, I don't think they have. People say, "Well, they have a ton of talent to go to the finals." Like, I don't know if I don't know if they're any more talented than Milwaukee or Toronto. I don't. I don't think they're less talented, but I don't think they're any more. Like, I don't think. I just think they're a top-heavy team. You know. So if you yeah. ran that five with a better bench next year, you could easily win the first seed. So. Yep. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. No Bernie Sanders out of you. Um, there was I sounded like an like, anti-science person. I don't want people to think I'm anti-science. I would like to reiterate that uh, before the end of the podcast. I'm pro-science. I just uh, would prioritize the planet Earth uh, over the the abyss. Kevin, let me very quickly, let me point out to you something that I think was lost a little nuance to your argument that you did lose in your anger in a black hole that you call a heart. This black hole is 55 million light years away. If we were to give one-tenth of the top 1% of the top 1% of those 55 million light years to each and every person in this galaxy, we, my friend, would have a lot of black holes. And black holes will continue to envelop the solar system, and we will all die. I'm gonna. That was a really good one by you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave it. Uh, I'm gonna leave you with this question. Um, anybody who you're a little younger than me. I'm 34. So anybody listening to the podcast who's like probably like 31 to like 40 ish, uh, you remember when you were a kid, you had to do the science project where you did the hanging thing of all nine planets, right? Um, and so you did. Mercury, Mars, Venus, Earth, Uranus, Neptune, whatever the fuck. And then you got Pluto. Jupiter, Saturn, Jupiter, Jupiter Neptune, Neptune. And then Pluto was on there, right? And then like 10 years mm-hmm. ago, they removed Pluto from the thing. And they said that Pluto, yeah, they said that Pluto is not a planet. So are you on the side of Pluto being a planet or not being a planet? Pluto is a dog. That was owned by a mouse. That's where I stand on Pluto. It's too traumatic for me to talk about Pluto the planet. Pluto was a planet when I grew up. Pluto continues to be a planet. Just like indigo exists on the color spectrum. Although many science classes now teach Roy G. Buv. Remember that? They took Red, indigo orange, out of their green, Roy G. Blue. Buv. A lot, of, uh, a lot of science classes nowadays do not acknowledge indigo. Indigo... Has gone the way of the indigo dodo. has gone the way of the indigo girls because they don't perform anymore, do they? Can we seriously have this conversation really quick? Pluto, in Mickey Mouse lore, can't talk and is Mickey Mouse's pet, but Mickey's friend Goofy is also a dog who can talk and is treated as an equal. Mm-hmm. What sense does that make? Well. What are we teaching? If this our is the kids? last podcast I record before the baby comes. I'm glad that we got this important discussion in uh, before it was too late. I want people who made it this far into the show to uh, send a bunch of recommendations on Twitter, tag both of us in it. I want you to, to tell Kevin everything he needs to know about being a parent, send him TV show recommendations, uh, everything. I thought about making you a, uh, a fake mm-hmm. registry that, uh, that the listeners of this show <laughs> and the readers of the site could, could fulfill <laughs> And make them like ridiculous yeah. things. Uh, um, well, I, I, I don't think that's necessary because, you know, everybody says that your life is over uh, when you have a kid, you know, that you're never going to sleep. And if my life is over, yep. then I really don't need any material possessions, you know, so. 
Good point. Good point. I'll yeah. just wait. All right. Now. Well, on that note, thanks everybody right. for listening. We appreciate you. I will say Sixers four, Nets two. Wow. Four one. Four one Sixers. Go get it, fellas. Um, all right. Go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Kevin's other show. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. He had Adam Kahn on from uh, the Philadelphia Union themselves. So uh, make sure you go check that out. The Philadelphia Union have won three straight games. Of course, we didn't recap them here on Crossing Broadcast, the only 7 for 7 Philadelphia sports podcast. Um, but Kevin did a, a really nice job over there breaking it down, so make sure you go check that. Uh, crossed up with Bob and Anthony. You can find them on Twitter at Broad at AntSanPhilly. They uh, did an episode a couple days ago uh, recapping some national stuff. And uh, make sure you uh, go give them a listen. Their listener base is increasing, which is nice, so make sure you go you go and uh, give them a listen and let everybody know about crossed up. They do a really phenomenal job. Of course, snow the goalie last week, Anthony and I had on flyers, president, Paul Holmgren. We began to talk about what this off season could look like. We recapped the season. Um, Anthony's working on getting one more guest before the flyers hibernate for the summer. So make sure you go check that show out of course, and uh, go check out the uh, video of the interview over on the crossing broad YouTube channel. Um, we also have Crossing Broad FC with myself and Phil Kaidel. Last week, we broke down and previewed the uh, final eight of the UEFA Champions League and then talked about the domestic leagues. And Phil and I, I believe, are going to record Friday night uh, for a Saturday release. We're going to recap the uh, the first leg of this final eight. Uh, it was uh, a pretty fascinating set of games. So if you're looking to uh, even pick up a, maybe a couple betting tips on the remaining games in the UEFA Champions League and in some of the domestic leagues, the EPL, Serie A, Ligue 1, Bundesliga, um, you know, make sure you go check us out there. And of course, we we do the customary Philadelphia Union Minute. I think that has all the shows covered. Oh, and uh, Broadlines, Broadlines, the uh, sports betting podcast. I believe Kyle is out of hibernation. He's recording over there uh, with Jason Zernicki f- uh, from, I think it's uh, uh, Bet New Jersey. Don't hold me to that. I think that's what it is. Um, go check that show out if you're looking to uh, stay on the uh, current gambling trends with sports betting in New Jersey. So uh, go listen to the shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. Follow everybody on Twitter and uh, keep the conversation going there. For Kevin, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you again next week.